and welcome to Apothecary, a podcast about herbs and natural healing. I'm Kelly Cook, creator of Moonflower Apothecary and Alchemy. Join me as we discuss various herbs and their many healing benefits. I'll share with you some nerdy herb facts, traditions, and some of my own tips and recipes. You'll learn creative ideas to start crafting your own herbal apothecary and how to bring this green magic into your life. So today we're going to be talking about spagyrics. Spa what? As my husband calls it, spagyrics. A quick overview of spagyrics. Let's talk about this for a minute. Several of you have asked me what exactly the difference is in a spagyric and a tincture. So we're going to go into that a little bit today, but first I want to give you some background information. The word spagyric means to separate. Spagyrics are a type of ancient ancient alchemy. Try to say that three times fast. Specifically related to plants. Sometimes you'll just hear it referred to as plant alchemy or herbal alchemy. All of these terms, spagyrics, plant alchemy, and herbal alchemy can be interchanged. I want to read to you an excerpt from a book I have. It's called Herbal Alchemy, A Practical Manual of Spagyrics. This is kind of a description that the author gives. A tincture, sometimes also called a spagyric, is an herbal mixture, typically a medicine in the form of a tincture, elixir, or tonic produced by alchemical means and processes. These procedures often involve the process of conjunction, dissolution, separation, calcination, and the extraction and transformation of specific components from the ash of the plant. All the constituents of the plant are utilized, not just the oils. So this is truly a no-waste method. You're using every single bit of the plant. I'm going to go on to read a bit more from this book. In short, spagyrics is the use of the alchemical stages, processes, and principles specifically enacted upon plant matter and material. Often this use of spagyrics is for healing purposes, whether healing of the body, the mind, or the spirit. It is the forerunner to many modern medicines. Thus, a spagyric is a holistic form of natural medicine which treats the whole of the individual, body, mind, and spirit. So that is essentially the difference in the folk method of preparing tinctures, which I use a lot, and it's a very effective method of medicine making. But a spagyric tincture not only gives me, as the practitioner, the ability to use the plant in its wholest form, it also gives me the ability to work with the body in its whole form. It's a pretty complicated process, spagyrics. It's taken me a really long time even to get to this step of making my first spagyric. But it's also very simple and it's just a very pure method of medicine making. Always in alchemy, you hear the phrase, as above, so below. This is really significant in alchemical processes. 
Basically what this means is exactly what it says, as above, so below. The heavens above reflect the earth below. What is within us as a person is reflected by us in our outside actions. All creation is connected as a whole. That is the basis of my belief, that we are all connected, that we are all one, that every aspect of this universe is connected by a little thread. Forgive me, I'm clearing my throat and sniffing a little bit. I'm sitting outside of my porch this morning just so that I can be in the sunlight and I want to listen to the birds outside, but it's a little bit cold so my nose is running. So I'm not sick, just forgive me for a little bit of sniffing until I adjust to the cold temperature. Aspegeric is the purest form. It's the best example I can give you of holistic medicine. So let's get a little bit nerdy for a minute and talk about this as alchemical work. Alchemical work itself is based on the theory that all energetic structures, whether it's plant, mineral, whatever whatever material you're working with, <clears throat> even a metal, sometimes the, the alchemists of ancient times worked with metals, but all of these materials contain three basic principles, mercury, sulfur, and salt. So what I'm talking about here are not the elemental properties, mercury, sulfur, and salt. This is not the elemental theory. These are words used to describe parts of the whole. So when you hear me use the term mercury, what I'm referring to is the spirit of the plant. This is a universal spirit that all plants contain. In alchemy, this is the alcohol that is created from the plant. So I'm not actually going to ferment lemon balm and distill it and use that alcohol. I'm gonna use a neutral spirit. In this case, I used Everclear to macerate my lemon balm and start my initial tincturing process. So how does that work? How can it be from the store, so to speak, but still be part of the lemon balm? And that's part of this theory of spirit. The spirit is the universal nature. The mercury is universal. So you can technically use any plant spirit for your mercury. You can use any alcohol to start your tincturing process. So think of the mer- the mercury as the plant's spirit. The sulfur is the soul of the plant. This is what we refer to as the essential oil of the plant, the soul. It's unique to each plant, just like our own soul is unique to us. So the sulfur is the essential oil, the soul of the plant. And lastly is the salt, the body, the earth component of the plant. I know you've heard people say that someone is the salt of the earth, which generally means that they're a good person, right? But it also is just reference to this idea that salt 
is the body and it is connected to the earth, the physical body of the plant. It literally grows from the earth. It's literally connected to the earth. So think of the salt in this process as the body. So in the mercury, the sulfur, and the salt, we have the spirit, the soul, and the body. We have the plant in its entirety. So I used lemon balm for my first spagyric. This is kind of traditional in your walk in the path of alchemy. It's generally the first alchemical step is to use lemon balm. It's, it's traditionally the first plant that's used is what I'm trying to say. So why would lemon balm be part of this rite of passage, so to speak, as you're learning the alchemical method? Well, this is my theory anyway. I don't know the answer to that. This is just my theory based on what I've studied. Lemon balm is traditionally first in its practice, I believe, because it is ruled or it's, it's governed by the planet Jupiter. So you'll hear me in other episodes of this podcast talk about astrology in relation to healing and definitely in relation to alchemical work. So when you're working with alchemy, you're wanting to harness as much universal energy as possible. So you're going to use these planetary, these astrological correspondences in your work. So Jupiter is associated with growth, expansion, healing, prosperity, good fortune, and miracles. I would imagine that all of these are important to a beginning alchemist such as myself. Jupiter also governs travel, business, wealth, education, religion, and legal matters. Jupiter is kind of a lucky planetary influence. And don't we all need a little luck when we're beginning a new adventure? So lemon balm is governed by Jupiter. Jupiter's day is Thursday. So in astrology, medical astrology particularly is what I'm talking about here, not your horoscope. Not right now anyway. But each planet has a specific day that you work with that planet on that day. And each planet has a specific planetary correspondence that governs that particular plant. So for lemon balm, it is Jupiter, and the day to work with Jupiter is Thursday. The more planetary influences and focused energy contained within the medicine, the more healing quality you'll be able to harness. And isn't that really what this is all about? To make the most effective, potent medicine that we can possibly create? So remember what I said before, as above, so below. So we want to reflect these heavenly Jupiter influences into our medicine from the planets as well as from the earth, which the plant grows, as above, so below. It's really the foundation of this work.
So let's talk about how this story began because I've been studying and practicing and working with alchemical theory for about a year now. I finally got my nerve up because this is all really in-depth. It's really a powerful work to study and there's some great energy around it because this is what our ancestors did. This is an ancient practice that is not, um, it's not novel, it's not new, it's not trendy, it's an ancient concept. So it's not something that I take lightly, it's something that I believe is to be honored and preserved in its purest form. So here's where this story begins. Last summer in June, my lemon balm was beautiful and I decided that I would take this next step into my alchemical work and I harvested my lemon balm on a Thursday, of course. A tincture was then created from the alcohol and as I said before, I used Everclear in this particular tincture. So the mercury and the lemon balm were combined to make a folk medicine. That is how folk tinctures are created. So my normal method of making medicine is to do just that, to harvest the plant material, prepare it, and then place it into a vessel. Usually I use a mason jar and then cover it with a good amount of alcohol and let it macerate for several weeks and then strain it off and use it medicinally. So when you're doing this, when you're creating a folk tincture, a simple tincture, I'm gonna call it that, you're separating out the sulfur of the plant. You're pulling out the essential oil, the soul, and it is contained in the spirit, the mercury. So a basic folk tincture is just that, the mercury and the sulfur of the plant. And it is powerful and effective medicine just like that. But if you want to take it a step further, and I did, I felt like there was something missing, particularly when I would strain off that tincture and throw it out. You throw out the plant material and it just, it was almost painful to me in some way, not to be too overly dramatic, but it's been ingrained in me to never waste medicine, to never throw out one drop of medicine because the earth has given it to us. And if we waste it, how would that seem to mother earth? You can't throw it out. You can't spit in her face when she's given up herself to you for medicine. So I did want to take it a step further and this method has given me a way to do so. So the tincture is strained, the body of the plant, which is called the mark, M-A-R-C, mark, that's what's left. It's the waste, essentially. But in spagyric method, this is now burned. This plant matter, the body of the plant, is burned off at a very high heat for a long period of time. This to me is one of the coolest parts to transform this plant material 
into something useful and completely change it. So you burn this plant material down until there's literally nothing left but white and gray ash. It's just ash. You take this material and grind it down. You know, it's gonna, be, it's gonna still have a little bit of black plant material in it that may not be able to be burned off. Um, so you grind it down with a mortar and pestle. You can burn it again if you so choose to try to refine it just a little bit more. And then the next stage is dissolution. So you're dissolving this ash in distilled water. So when you combine the ash and the distilled water, you're going to notice that some of the solids float to the bottom, a little bit will come to the top, and then there's this cloudy mixture in the middle. And it takes a bit of time for the water to fully dissolve these mineral salts. Once it's dissolved, once you feel like it's had enough time to work with that water, you're gonna strain it and strain it and strain it. I like to strain mine three times because I think that the Trinity itself is important. So a lot of things that I do in my medicine making, I'll do three times. So once you've strained this out three times or more, whatever you choose, I would do it at least three times though. Then you place it in a vessel. I put mine in a Pyrex dish. So this is not high-tech chemistry here. This is kitchen chemistry. I just used a clean Pyrex dish and I poured this solution in and I let it sit for days. It took about four to five days for all the water to be evaporated out. So what's gonna happen as this evaporates, the water is released, it's evaporated, and all that's left behind at this point are the pure mineral salts on the bottom of the dish. A lot of times you'll hear this dish referred to as the crucible. So it's left sitting there in its purest form. This mineral salt is what makes the medicine so bioavailable to the body. Remember, the salt of the plant is the body of the plant. So body accepts body. So when you add these salts back into your tincture, which already contains the spirit and the soul, you have the wholeness of your lemon balm or whatever plant it is that you started with. But the act of creating, not creating, but the act of refining and purifying these mineral salts and adding them back to the tincture as the body of the plant allows it to be so much more bioavailable to our bodies and the medicine is so much better accepted by us. So once you get it down to just the salts, you've got, you've got your jar of tincture there that you've strained off and reserved and now you have the salts. So you're gonna combine these together. And this process is truly magical, truly magical. I just did this last night, it was Thursday. Um, I can't even begin to tell you, I had no idea how profound this 
small act of combining the salts with the tincture would actually be. This is referred to in alchemy as the alchemical birth. And after this process, now I don't have any children, so I don't want to offend any mothers when I say this. I don't literally mean that this was like giving birth, but I do mean that I have labored over this process for over a year, or almost a year, not quite a year. But it's powerful to see it come to fruition. To see this alchemical birth when it's all combined. So you combine these two and you let them macerate again for a period of time. And then your spagyric is complete. You have the plant in its purest, wholest form. The entirety of the plant is available to you for its medicinal use. So now what? The tincture can be taken into the body and it'll have a deep and profound effect on the whole of the body, the physical, emotional, and spiritual parts of the body. So the only other way that I know to affect the body in a spiritual way through the use of plants is flower essences. And that in itself is a powerful medicine. But when you make a folk medicine, when you take that tincture, there's always the body of the plant missing. So this gives you the whole, the body, the spirit, and the emotional body. As I said, lemon balm is traditional to start with. Now I've given you some reasons with its planetary correspondences, why I think that this is the traditional herb that's first used by those following an alchemical path. But medicinally, what does this plant offer us? Well, as I said before, when combined with the influence of Jupiter, it gives us growth, expansion, higher education, and connection to spirit. This is important for a student of alchemy. But this is a really awesome little plant. Lemon balm is a pretty all-encompassing healing plant. I'm going to read you a little excerpt from another book that I use a lot. This is a good one. If you're actually working to create your own apothecary at home, I really recommend that you look at this book. It's called The Herbal Apothecary, and it's written by J.J. Purcell. You can probably get it at your local bookstore. This is not an old book. Um, you can definitely get it on Amazon if you can't find it where you live. The Herbal Apothecary by J.J. Purcell. So I'm gonna read to you what the author says medicinally about lemon balm. And lemon balm, sometimes you'll hear referred to as Melissa, that's from the Latin name. It's Melissa Officinalis. Now this book says it's also called Bee Balm. I do not mix the two. Bee Balm is something completely separate to me than Lemon Balm. They are both in the mint family, but I don't use those names to refer to, 
to the same plant. I use lemon balm for lemon balm, and when I'm talking about bee balm, I'm talking about bee balm. So it's a nice bright green, beautiful leaf for one. It's just a beautiful plant. It grows great where I live in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Lemon balm is traditionally for the head and nerves. This fragrant nervine has been revered in works by Shakespeare, Homer, and as well as in the Bible. Organs affected, the skin, the central nervous system. The therapeutic actions of this herb are a carminative, a febrifuge, and a nervine. So those are some real nerdy words. Let's talk about that for a minute. Our carminative is a digestive aid. A febrifuge is an herb that's used to help break a fever. And a nervine is an herb that is calming and soothing to the herbs. I hope you can't hear my dogs barking in the background. There must be somebody walking down the road, but they're going crazy. Sorry about that. The nature of this plant is sour and cool. Sometimes you'll hear the nature referred to as the energetics of the plant. So the energetics of lemon balm are sour and cool. As a flower essence, lemon balm eases the velocity of the mind. I love the way the author says that, the velocity of the mind, a racing mind, so to speak. It helps one to wind down, it eases fears and anxieties, and serves as a restorative after stress from modern civilization and being around too many people if it's stretched a person too thin. Do you ever feel like you're just stretched too thin? Sometimes I do. And I definitely have velocity of the mind. I can never get my mind to be quiet, which is good and bad. Medicinally, lemon balm has a long-standing reputation for calming the nerves, and that's traditionally what I use it for. It was a common herb in the 18th century as Spirit of Melissa, which was a tonic made from lemon balm, and it was kept in most homes. It was just really common. Probably like today, we would have, um, I don't know, Tylenol or Advil sitting around. They probably had Melissa in their medicine chest. It is in the mint family, and it has a sour quality. Lemon balm works wonders on the overstimulated mind and body. For those who are always on the go, <clears throat> does that refer to any of us? Lemon balm is the perfect calming herb. It also works on other overactive conditions such as hyperthyroidism and hyperadrenalism. Anytime the system is in overdrive, including physical manifestations of heart palpitations, high blood pressure, manic thinking, and shortness of breath, lemon balm is always advised. Lemon balm helps reduce fevers. It has a light diaphoretic tendency, meaning it's going to cause you to sweat a little bit. So it's wonderful for a fever, and it will gently open the skin and allow perspiration to begin, and it will help you to break that fever. Lemon balm is a really great antiviral herb and works effectively on a variety of viruses, including the herpes virus. I absolutely hate the herpes virus. I get cold sores several times a year, always when I'm stressed, sometimes when I 
am feeling under the weather. I hate cold sores. If you read my blog, um, the Goodness Goddess Wellness blog, there's an article in there about cold sores. And I refer to lemon balm in my treatment of cold sores. I've found this to be really effective, not only to take internally, because normally the reason I have a cold sore is because I'm really wound up about something. But I also use either the essential oil, which I finally this year just gifted myself a tiny little bottle of Melissa oil. It's very expensive, but so worth it. Um, so you can use the lemon, ball, lemon balm oil neat, which means you just put it directly on the skin, right on the cold sore. Or before I had essential oil of Melissa, I used the tincture and I would just dip a little Q-tip or cotton ball down in it and hold it on my cold sore like a compress several times a day. Oh my gosh, you would not believe how effective it is. So if you are like me and you suffer from cold sores and probably any other herpes virus, I would imagine chicken pox, shingles, even genital herpes, lemon balm would be my first method of herbal treatment to calm that down and to harness those antiviral properties. Lemon balm is contraindicated for some, so you're going to need to do your research. It's definitely not something that you want to use if you have an under-functioning thyroid, if you have hypothyroidism, because the herb itself affects the stimulation of the TSH levels, the thyroid-stimulating hormone. James Duke, uh, in his book, The Green Pharmacy, I think it was published back in the 90s, I'm not exactly sure, it's a great book, um, he describes it as an herb that seems to normalize high or low thyroid hormone levels. So in that sense, it would be used sort of like an adaptogenic herb. I would not do that unless you're working with a trained herbalist. I think that that would be an herb that I would skip if you were dealing with an overactive thyroid. The normal dosage for uh, lemon balm, if you're using it as an oil topically, because you can also infuse this into coconut oil or almond oil, olive oil, and use it as a topical application, you can do it one or two times a day. My favorite method of using lemon balm, particularly to calm my nerves after a crazy day, is to make a tea. And it's best fresh, actually. If you can get fresh lemon balm from your garden, if not, buy some tea bags at your local co-op and it is really nice. And it does the trick. A tincture, like the folk tincture that I have talked about, you're going to use one dropper full one to three times a day and normally when we say a dropper full depending on the size of your dropper it's going to be 30 to 45 drops or so so one dropper full one to three times a day so lemon balm as you can see has a lot of healing qualities both physically and spiritually so the dosage for aspergeric is really a lot different because it's a much stronger medicine because again it is made from the plant's whole property so the dosage for aspergeric is traditionally much lower 
because of the exponential power of the plant. I would say start with one to three drops when you're working with this spagyric. Less is always more in herbal medicine. You want to use as little as you can to get the desired effect. So start with one to three drops under the tongue or in a bit of some sort of appropriate beverage, water, tea, juice, whatever you like. Uh, and you could probably work your way up to a dosage of 10 drops, but I don't really think that you're going to find that you normally need quite that much. And you could do this one to three times a day. I'll just give you this little, this is my opinion. Um, this is how I normally recommend that you take herbal medicines is three times a day. Rather than getting up in the morning and taking a handful of herbs or a whole conglomeration of tinctures for your body to sort out and separate and send to the appropriate places, it's better to spread it out over time. Our bodies can only absorb so much at once and anything that the body doesn't know how to absorb or to make use of, it's discarded as waste. So if you'll take your supplements and your herbs throughout the day instead of all at once you'll see that you're going to get more benefit from it and overall you may actually need to consume less because you're going to be absorbing more from it so what I'm going to do now is I'm actually going to take my very first dose of this lemon balm spagyric that I've made so I'm going to do this with you because I think it's kind of exciting. I've kind of talked you through the whole journey of making this tincture. So I'm just uncapping it now. I still have it in my mason jar. I haven't even separated it out yet into dosage bottles. I'm trying to get the plastic wrap off the top and not let it blow away in the wind. Bear with me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take three drops of this tincture. And I'm going to put it right under my tongue because I'm just kind of weird like that. And I want to taste it. I want to know what it tastes like. I want to be able to explain it to people. But I also just really want to be able to absorb this medicine that I've worked so hard over directly. I want to be able to take it directly. So here goes. It's very strong, of course. Lemon balm is a really strong tasting tincture, but it has a good taste. It's, it's always interesting to me that it's described energetically as sour because I tend to think of lemon balm as very sweet on the tongue, which is nice. It's very green, very sweet. Um, it is a little bit sour, like my mouth is watering a little bit right now, which means that it's gotten that sour part of my tongue activated. So three drops under the tongue, and I'm going to continue this low dose for one full moon cycle, and I'm going to journal about the changes I experience in my overall wellness. So my physical, emotional, and spiritual body. And you don't have to do this every time you take an herbal medicine, but this is kind of a journey for me. So I want to document every aspect of this work that I have done. 
I do encourage you, however, when you're taking any herbal medicine, definitely aspagyric because it's going to be a powerful shift for you. Um, notice it. No herbal medicine is going to be something that, like you just take it one time, you pop one capsule or drink one cup of tea and are like, boom, I'm better. Boom, I'm healed. It's not going to happen like that. That's not how herbal medicine works. So give it some time. Allow the herb, the medicinal qualities to do their work. This is more subtle work than what you're going to experience from a pharmaceutical drug. So give it the respect that it deserves. Whatever condition you're working on, it's likely that it didn't arrive in your body overnight. You cannot expect it to be changed, shifted, or resolved in one dose. So that applies to all herbs. It takes time. This is like slow cooker medicine. If you use your crock pot to make dinner, you know what I'm talking about. It's going to be really, really good, but you're going to have to plan ahead. You're going to have to leave some time and you're going to have to cook it real slow, but it's going to come out great. So think of that when you're taking your herbal medicines. It's going to take time and it's going to be worth it. So hopefully this very condensed version of this ancient tradition has been interesting and given you a good idea between the two methods of medicine making, the folk tradition and the spagyric method. So I'm just going to enjoy sitting here in the sunshine now and allow the lemon balm to do its work and make its way through the cells of my body as I just sit and meditate here for a bit. So thanks for being my guest today. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Apothecary. I hope you've enjoyed our topic today and have found some inspiration for your own path of natural wellness. Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and well, and may you add a little green magic into your day.